Good to see all of you here this morning. My name is John and uh, the director here. And uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, would love to do that. Uh, As Andy said, we are so excited that every single one of you uh, is here today. And uh, it's great to see a lot of new faces. And we just want you to know this morning that there is room for you here in our community, even if there's not physical room for you. There is always room uh, here uh, in our family. And I've said it once and I'll say it again. Our slogan around here is kind of like the Olive Garden. When you're here, your family, right? Minus the breadsticks, but we get Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that's kind of how we roll uh, around here. It is good to see every single one of you. Uh, We love new people at Hope, and uh, we just want you to know that, uh, yeah, we love it that you're here, and uh, we believe it's no accident that God has brought you to this place uh, today. Uh, It's great to have uh, Lucinda from our Hope family here today doing some painting. Everybody say, hi, Lucinda. Yeah, yeah, give her, yeah, yeah, give her some thanks for being here today. Absolutely. Uh, I was gonna uh, paint a mural for you today, and then I would thought I'd save you the agony. So I had uh, we had Lucinda come from our uh, Express Your Faith uh, Creative Arts Ministry uh, here at Hope, which we want you to know that you can get involved with here at Hope Des Moines too. There's a lot of ways to get involved with that, and Lucinda is going to be kind of giving a visual representation of this theme that we're going to be talking to uh, talking about today, and we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. So if you're more of a visual person and you kind of want to listen and, and watch what she's doing, that's another way to experience uh, the message today. Uh, if you know, uh, if you've been around uh, the last few months, or maybe today is your, your first day here, uh, we just want to get you caught up for the last uh, 31 weeks. Wow, seems like a long time. Uh, just last week, we completed our uh, exciting uh, journey through the story at all of our campuses, uh, reading through the Bible from beginning to end. And uh, really, really exciting. And God did some amazing things uh, through all of us uh, as we became uh, more biblically fluent. And I know a lot of you, not only here on Sundays, but also uh, in your life groups during the week and as individuals, uh, we're reading through this. But you know, the entire time that we read through this, we said this phrase, that the goal was never to just get more information in our heads, right? That's not the primary goal of what we're after with spirituality. The goal is never just to get more information. And we said this phrase, the goal is not to just get through the book. The goal is to let the book get through you. Amen? The goal is to let it saturate into every uh, ounce of your being, into who you are, and, and become a part of who you are. And that phrase that we've used a lot is to be biblically fluent. We want to be able to speak the gospel, to, to apply the gospel into all areas of life which is really the heart behind this brand new series that I'm really excited about that we're starting today called Healthy Church. And you kind of see it on the the banners, and that's what kind of Lucinda's going to be uh, painting for us today is this idea, where do we start if you need health? If something is healthy, where does it start? And so kind of pay attention to that theme today. If you uh, remember where we left off in the story the last couple weeks was the last couple books uh, the last few chapters of the Bible in, 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 the, in the epistles that we call them. And then last week, Andy talked to us about Revelation. And where we left off was this new thing called the church was just starting 2,000 years ago. And nobody really knew what it would look like and what it would be like, but that's where we left off. And one of the most amazing things about the Bible, one of the most amazing things about that book that you hold in your hands this morning is that it's not done it's still being written through you because we are the church that is an extension of that church that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Did you know that you're in the Bible? Did you know that? 
There's actually a chapter just about you. Everybody, turn in your Bibles really quick to Acts chapter 29. Let's go there together. Uh, And when you find it, let me know. I'm going to stop you right there. It doesn't exist, folks, okay? That was your little Bible quiz this morning, okay? Do you find it? Yeah. You know what? I found it too. You know where Acts chapter 29 is? Right here, baby. Right here this morning, right? You are Acts chapter 29. There are actually church planting movements called Acts 29 church planting movements. And that's where it comes from. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and that's kind of the last we hear of the early church, okay? Some of you are going to be like, I'm going to still find it. I don't care, right? I'm going to look for it, right? There is no Acts chapter 29 because we are the continuation of the church. And 2,000 years ago, they were asking this question, what is it that makes a great church? What is it that makes a healthy congregation, whether it was there in Jerusalem or Galatia or Ephesus or Rome or wherever that was, or it's in Des Moines. And as you see on the graphic that we're going to be talking through a lot of different elements of what it means to be healthy church and how we're going to let the story impact all these different areas of our life. Healthy faith. Next week, we're going to talk about healthy families. As we go into Mother's Day and Father's Day, we're going to talk about healthy prayer. We're going to talk about healthy habits. That God's word is not confined to one day a week here on Sundays, right? If that's the case, we're going to miss a lot of it. And that's the idea behind this new series. And so we're going to be looking at several different aspects. And the first one that we're going to talk about is where we begin today is that with the foundation of any healthy church, and that's healthy faith. Healthy faith, because here's the truth. A healthy church, which we are, is only as healthy as the faith of its individual members, right? We are one body, but we are many parts. Just as we are one body, if, one, if we have a broken foot or, a, you know, some of you are like, I think I'm the elbow fleeb of the body of Christ, right? Or I'm the big toe. I don't really have an important spot. If something little like that hurts in the body, it affects everybody, Right? So a healthy church is only as healthy as the faith of its individual members, and so that's where we start today. And that's the question that I get asked a lot. And maybe some of you hear this if you're in life groups or talking with other people here in the church. I hear a lot of people ask me, John, how do I grow? How do I grow in a healthy way? How do I get from here to here? There's this image of this man or woman of God that I want to be, and how do I get there? And a lot of times, I think what they're asking is, how do I have a healthy faith, right? Because anything that's healthy, that's living, which we are, the church is a living organism, okay, made up of living people like us, healthy things grow, right? Healthy things grow deep and wide. How do I have a healthy faith is what I think a lot of people are asking. So to answer that question, every topic of this series, we're not going to turn to the the latest opinion of the day. We're not going to turn to, oh, you know, what does Oprah have to say about this or Dr. Phil or whatever you choose your your famous prophet that's out there today on the the airwaves. You know where we're going to turn is to the person that created the church, who is his, his idea was the church and to lay down his life to die for us, his bride, the church, and that's Jesus Christ and his word. Amen? So that's where we're going to go today, is we're going to ask God what it looks like to have a healthy faith as we go. And to do that, it's prop day today. Uh, 
why wouldn't it be prop day today, right? We got live painting, we got everything, okay? So what I'm going to talk about today is we dig into this passage from 2 Peter, and this is going to kind of keep you, keep you informed here because this is, well, be a little challenge for you to figure out how this goes. Today we're going to talk about how to have, have, how to have a healthy face, faith using a twig, a sponge, and a mirror. How do you look? Some of you are like, ugh, I didn't have time to take a shower this morning, right? How do we have a healthy faith using a twig, a sponge, and a mirror? You following me? Now you're going to have to pay attention, and at the end, you can tell me how these things apply. Okay? So turn in your uh, Bibles to 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter is in the New Testament, all the way at the end. The book of 2 Peter. If you don't have a Bible, grab them, grab them at the ends of the rows. Would I ever love to have every single person grab a Bible this morning? I don't want you uh, to miss out uh, on what God has for us today. The book of 2 Peter, we're going to start uh, in verse 3. Uh, Peter's in the New Testament. There's two books of it. We're in 2 Peter, all the way kind of towards the end uh, of your Bible. We're going to start in verse 3. So Peter, one of the apostles, who you know was a follower, of Je- disciple of Jesus, is writing to the early church, and uh, most likely this letter was like read out loud at a church gathering, uh, just like we would hear. So the, the leader, uh, the, of the elder of the group, would stand up here like I am and say, hey, we got a letter from Uncle Peter, right? And then they would read it and, uh, to the church. And so we begin in verse 3. We read this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Through his word, God has given us these great and precious promises. So Peter is actually introducing us to the first and most important aspect to having a healthy faith. And if uh, if you want to keep notes on the back of your bulletin, there's a place to write these things down. Three things I want you to remember today. Number one, healthy faith is rooted in God's promises. Healthy faith is rooted in God's promises. Peter says to us in this passage, you've been given everything that you need in God's word to live a godly life. Everything you need. Notice I didn't say everything that you want or everything that you can consume in this life or everything that might make you happy. God says, I've given you my promises so that you could have a joy that's deeper than fleeting happiness of the day, that you could have a peace amidst your circumstances, that you could have a power that's deeper than anything that you'll find in this world. And it's found right here. Peter is calling us to trust what we've already received and put our roots down deep in God's word. Another place in scripture puts it this way. Jeremiah 17. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read this to you. Jeremiah 17. All the way back in the Old Testament, God's talking about what it looks like to have a healthy faith. It says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. So visualize that for a second, that you're by a brook or a stream. We're called to be a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream to gain that nourishment. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries. Wouldn't that be great not to have any worries? It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Wow, that's the kind of tree I want to be. 
That's the kind of faith that I want to have. In other words, healthy faith begins by putting our roots down in the promises of God that we find in his word. So when I spend time in God's word daily, I'm like that tree, if you get that visual, that's putting, shooting out my roots into the bank that's getting that moisture and that nourishment and that's getting that sunshine. I, re- I remember this uh, little Sunday school song uh, that I was writing my sermon this week, and it came- it's funny how things when you were six come back to you uh, 20 years later, right? And we sang this little cheesy song, which I thought in Sunday school, and it went like this. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And then we would like go like this, and we go, and you grow, grow, grow. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Thank you very much. Um, you're going to remember that now, right? Next week, we'll sing it together, and I'll embarrass you, right? How simple is that, though? You know that phrase, everything I, I need to know I learned in kindergarten? Maybe everything I really need to know I learned in Sunday school to trust what I've already received, right? That might be the, the, most, the deepest thing that I can tell you today is read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll... Grow, grow, grow. Sometimes we make things really, really confident. In other words, healthy faith is putting our roots down in God's word. The roots are so important. Which brings me to a story from my childhood as well. How many of you had pets growing up? Just a show of hands. How many of you had pets? Awesome. Um, I had a dog for a while, uh, but he passed away, unfortunately. And so most of my time was spent with a pet tree or twig. Some of you are like, this guy's weird, okay? So when I was in third grade, I remember in science class, we were doing this uh, section on uh, leaves and, and healthy living organisms and trees and stuff like that. So every single one of us was given like a baby sapling. This is not a baby sapling. This is the closest I could find to it, okay? Rip this off my, my backyard. So it was about this big, okay? And we were told to go home and plant this thing in the ground and someday it would be a giant tree, Okay, so I'm really excited about this. I don't have a pet at the time. It's like, this is going to be my pet. So I take it home, and I'm all excited as a third grader. I'm like, I'm going to plant this in the ground, and this is going to be like one of those giant 100-foot trees that's, that's out by the road in our house that's been there for hundreds of years. And so I planted it, and I watered it, and I can honestly say, at the beginning, things weren't looking too good for the little guy, right? He just wasn't making it, and it kind of looked like this. It looked like a twig that somebody had stuck into the ground. And so my kind and loving older brother, right? You know how kind and loving older brothers can be, right? He came, and he really wanted to encourage me with this, right? So almost every day, I'd be out there standing at my tree going, come on, buddy. Are you going to grow? Are you going to do anything? And my kind and loving older brother would come out and say, hey, John, how's your pet weed doing? Thank you for the encouragement. It wasn't growing. And I get, remember getting so upset. And I, and I would stand there and I would look at, come on, why aren't you growing? And, and I would tell my dad, like, Dad, I think we need to, t- I, I think we need to dig it up. Like, I, I, I don't see anything happening. I don't, I don't see it growing. And I'd say, Dad, I think we need to, to dig it up. I think we need to move it somewhere else. And I remember these words that my dad said. I, th- this came back to me. I was thinking about roots this week as well. I remember my dad saying, John, leave it. Trust the roots. Leave it. Trust the roots. Trust that it's putting down roots in the soil. And so I'm like, okay, I'll trust you, Dad. And so little by little, I started to see some real growth. And I got plenty of water and sun, and pretty soon it had a leaf. It was like, bing, on the end. I was like, ah, I'm so excited. It's got a leaf, right? It's growing. 
And now, about 20 years later, it looks something, go ahead and go to the next slide, it looks something like that. How cool is that, huh? From third grade, from this to that, right? Why? Because we trusted the roots. And it's about 20 feet high now, and it covers a large portion of my parents' backyard. And it's a reminder to myself whenever I think about that, that sometimes some of the most important elements to our lives are what lies underneath the surface. Maybe some of the most important aspects to our life is what people can't see. It's not what everybody else sees, but maybe life isn't about the size of your house, the size of your bank account, what kind of job you have, how successful your career has been. Instead, maybe the most important thing about your life is what's under the surface, is the roots where you get your identity from, where you put your hope every day. That, those are the things that ultimately define us. And so I want to challenge you today as we think about this. And this is, I, I thought about this all week, and I was like, man, how do I make this really deep, profound, theological statement about God's word? And here it is. Read the book. Read the book. We as Christians are the worst at talking about, or we're really good at talking about it and not so good about actually doing it, right? right? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. We're so good at talking about it, but I want to encourage you to read the book. One of the best things about going through the story these last 31 weeks is how I saw transformation in a lot of you. One of my, my favorite conversations I had was, about, I don't know, halfway through the story as we were like getting through the Bible, uh, one guy came up to me and he just said, John, this is so good. How come I never did this before? And I said, I, I don't know. And, and then this, this guy said, you know, I always thought that reading the Bible was just a good religious thing to do. And I didn't want to be caught dead doing it because then my friends would think, oh, he's just one of those churchy dudes. You know, better than everybody, reading his Bible all the time, right? And you know what he told me? The more time I spend in this, it moves from a got to to a get to. And you know what? Here's the thing. When, I, when we're uh, alone and the kids are in bed at night, he said, normally my wife accuses me of like, sneaking off and going to watch TV or watch the game or something like that. You know what I do now? I sneak away to read my Bible. And one time she got mad at me and I said, honey, you have no idea what I'm doing, right? I'm sneaking away to read this. And he said, yeah, I was so concerned about being seen as one of those churchy guys, but he said, you know what? Now I don't even care what people think. Why? Because it's changing me. It's not just a good religious thing to do. It's transforming me from the inside out. Read the book. And he said, I feel more like myself than I ever have. Imagine that. God wants to make you, you, authentically you, who he's created you to be. But it doesn't end there. Go back to 2 Peter with me. Here's the next step that's, that Peter talks about. And we pick it up in verse 5. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and then listen to this, and to mutual affection, where does it end? Love. 
love. Scripture tells us that when we're like a tree that puts our roots down in God's word, we're going to naturally produce the kind of fruit that we're reading about here in 2 Peter. You could look at this list and say, oh man, here's this big list of everything I have to do to be a good Christian. Right? But that would be as silly thinking as me standing by my little twig of a third grade tree going, grow! Come on! Grow! That doesn't make any sense, right? We can't force that. The best kind of fruit happens naturally in our lives. And that's what Peter is talking about here. When we trust in God's promises, this is the kind of fruit we're going to produce. And you'll notice what's the last one that Peter mentions. The very end, the one that all of them leads towards, that attribute is love. Love. That's the second key today. Healthy faith is rooted in love for others. Healthy faith is rooted in love for others. Now you might say, well, duh, John, you don't need to be a biblical scholar to to figure that one out, right? No, but I tell you this. Many times we think that having a healthy faith is just being a biblical scholar. Right, and it agrees. When I have this conversation, remember I told people I have this conversation with John, how do I grow? Right, we have that conversation. What is, how, how, do I, how do I grow? With, with people, it always naturally ends up leading to sort of this statement. I want to go deep. Ever heard anybody say that before? Have you ever caught yourself saying that? I want to go deeper in my faith. I really want to go deep. I, I need something deeper. My, I, I love my small group, and they're really loving people, but my, my small group isn't deep enough. Or I've been to this church before, and, and that church isn't deep enough for, for me. And, and my Christian friends, they're, they're not deep enough for me. And, and when you probe that a little bit more, you find out that what they're basing that on, their definition of deep, has become more knowledge and more information. Which, a little history lesson for you here, much of our Western church is based on Greek philosophy. This idea that information is king, right? That was the, 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 uh, the gift of modernism to us, is that through science and math, we can figure everything out. And the more I know, the more powerful I am, the better I am. Christianity, the Jesus movement, was birthed in the Hebrew culture, where knowledge and information wasn't the top value. Relationship was. Family was. Different ideas of what it means to go deep. And yet when we study God's word, we find that maybe being a biblical scholar is not the main definition of what it means to go deep. Do this for me really quick. Turn to two or three people around you and really quick, have about a one-minute conversation on what, is, what do you think it means? What's the definition of what it means to be deep spiritually? No wrong answer, just have that conversation. Two or three people around you, get to know them and tell them, what do you think it means to be deep spiritually? Go ahead. All right, cool. I'm going to cut you off there. If you want to continue that conversation, you can be the church afterwards and get to know that person a little bit more. What does it mean to be deep spiritually? I'm guessing that if we had everybody shout out their answers, there would be a lot of different answers. And yes, I agree, there's a lot of different answers to that. But whenever I think about that question, I'm drawn to 1 Corinthians 13. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Some of you are saying, oh, I know what that one is. That's the wedding passage, right? How many weddings have you gone to where 1 Corinthians 13 has been the, been the passage, right? And I'm here today to tell you it's much more than a wedding passage. So listen to what Paul is saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right at the beginning there. Paul says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels... 
but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, a.k.a. I am annoying. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move the mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. This is, folks, this is coming from Paul, one of the most decorated uh, Pharisees, biblical scholars at the time. He knows the scriptures. He knows the Bible inside and out. And he's writing this to the church in Corinth at the very end of his life, and he comes to this startling conclusion. All this knowledge I have, all the 20 Bible studies that I've been a part of, all the 25 small groups that I've led, all the sermons I've heard, all the things I've done for God, all the service projects I've done, all the busyness I've done for him. At the end of my day, Paul is saying, if my heart does not beat for the things that God's heart beats for, I'm going to come up empty. Think about that for a second. If our study of Scripture does not compel us to love the people and the things that Jesus loves more and more, what are we doing? Okay? It's a challenge for you this morning. If our study of Scripture does not eventually, at some point, move us out of our circles and our living rooms and into the streets, what are we doing? Okay? What does it mean to be deep spiritually? What does that look like? Paul says, knowledge must always lead to action. Love is a verb. Knowledge must always lead to action. So there's a way that we can actually be, do an unfaithful Bible study if it doesn't lead us somewhere, if it doesn't move us out of our comfort zones and say, God is calling me to do this and I'm going to follow him even if it makes me feel uncomfortable. Okay, his number one desire for you, I hate to break it to you, is not for you to be comfortable. It's to transform you. It's to change you. If the driving force, Paul says, if the driving force of my walk with God is anything but growing in my ability to love like him, it'll never be enough. Why? Because we were never created to consume our way through Christianity. But instead to be so filled with his love to soak up his love so much that we can't help but share it with the world around us. And so as we talk about having a healthy faith, that sometimes I think we get tempted to think that just like this sponge, well, this is what Christianity is all about. And I'm just going to soak up as much as I can. And I'm going to get really smart. And I'm going to listen to sermons online from pastors I don't even know. It's going to be... We might need a towel eventually. And I'm going to get so smart. I'm going to listen to, I'm going to, listen to podcasts. And, and I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be in five Bible studies. I'm going to memorize Leviticus. Good luck with that one, right? Sometimes, folks, this is where we stop, and this is what it means to be spiritually deep. And I'm looking at 1 Corinthians 13, and I don't think that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, this is great. Paul's saying, I'm a full soaking sponge. I got it all up here. But if it doesn't move from here to here to here, something's wrong, right? Our mission statement at Lutheran Church of Hope is to reach out to the world around us and 
share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. It would be great if this could be where we stop, okay? If some of you have fallen asleep, you're going to get a wake-up call right now because God has called us to share that love with the world around us, right? A sponge can only get so full until you got to do something with it, right? you got to wake up, and Christianity isn't just sitting in your chair, okay? Some of you are you're never going to look at that sponge in your kitchen the same, right? Ring it out. God wants to pour you out to the world around you. You were never meant to just consume, to just soak up your way through life. And there's, I just found a new way of doing baptism, all right? You all just, you all just got baptized. Uh, so when we put our roots down in God's word, the more time we spend it with him, the more we come to love the things that he loves. And so I'm thinking about us here at Hope Des Moines, because God is so passionate about those people that don't know him yet, we never stop inviting our friends, right? We never stop inviting our neighbors and our coworkers because there's tens of thousands of people right in these neighborhoods around us that don't know him, that don't have a church home. Because God, because he loves kids and his heart breaks for those kids that don't have a father in the home, over 20 of you this past year have been showing up consistently every week and mentoring kids here at Hubble. Praise God for that. Praise God. Absolutely. So why did we do that, though? Did we do that because it's a good religious thing to do? Or I want to do some community service? No, I, I, our main motivation for doing that is because God loves kids. And God wants to know that even though they don't have a physical father in the home, that they have a father in heaven that loves them and will always show up for them consistently, right? That's why we, why, why we did that. Uh, because Jesus treated everybody the same and everybody as friends, Jesus said, you're my brothers and sisters. Because of that, we had a big old family meal at the shelter last week, didn't we? Yes, yeah, praise God. Absolutely. It's so good to see so many of you there. No matter if that's where you live or you live somebody, somewhere else, we're family. Because Jesus calls us family. Because we're his brothers and sisters. At the end of the day, folks, if we're going to be a healthy church, what is it? Here's the question. What is it that we want to be known for as Hope Des Moines? When people drive by and see those A-frame signs out on the corner, what's the first thing that we want them to think of? Oh, you know, they worship in a school. I don't know what that's all about, right? You know, maybe someday they'll have a great, big, fancy building. Okay, that's great. Nothing wrong with that, but not enough. Oh, you know what? That, you know, we want to be known as the, the hippest and, and flashiest and coolest church. You know what? That's not going to happen. Number one, because I'm just not that cool, right? And number two, cool doesn't change people's lives. Jesus changes people's lives. And so I, I, I have to tell you, I would love that as there's this talk around town and what's going on there at Hubble and who are these people from Hope, my prayer is that people couldn't stop talking about saying, oh, Hope Des Moines, they're really deep. Why? Because they love so well. They're deep because they love so deeply. And when you walk in those doors, it's contagious. It's, it's tangible. I can feel it. It's not sitting on a shelf somewhere. I can see it in that other person's eyes, in your heart, in your handshake. And they're, then, they, then they're going to ask, okay, wh what's fueling that love? And then we get to share the hope that we have. Because the truth remains, this is the last point that Peter makes, it's hard to share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ 
with the city around us if we don't love ourselves first. And that's where Peter goes next in his letter. Look at verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 9. Let's read this together on the screen. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter's saying there's a temptation to live the Christian life in a way where you never, you never really experience the joy of your salvation, of being set free, of trusting that today, for every single one of you, your past, your shame, your guilt, your sin is not the final word on you. Amen? And I, I have this feeling that not all of us live like that. Let me ask you this. Let's just cut right to the heart of it. When you get up in the morning, besides having a bad hair day or whatever, what do you see when you look in the mirror? What do the, the voices in your head tell you who you are? When you look in the mirror, what do you hear? What are the, what are the voices that you hear? The voices of your past and maybe your present tell you who you are. Wow, you're a disappointment. Wow, you're a failure. Well, I'm just a big mistake. I'm never going to be good enough. If you're anything like me, you've heard those voices before, right? And I'm here today to tell you, those are not from your father. Those are not from your father. You see, when we read... when. When we read these accounts of the early Christians, it seems like all these pages point to this truth that when we become Christians, a profound change occurs in our identity. That in identifying with Jesus' death and resurrection, something old within us dies. Dead. Done with. Over with. And that old person that dies is the old man or the old woman. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3.3. Look at this up on the screen. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. So it's not, what Paul's saying is not that we're perfect or we'll never have to struggle. It's that your imperfections and your limitations are not the final word on you anymore. Paul later goes on to say in a passage in 2 Corinthians, you've heard this one before, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. In other words, we are being remade. I'm not who I was. I am in Christ, which is the literal definition of being a Christian. I am in Christ. My identity is in him. And so God's view of me is who? Christ. God's view of me is not screw up, mistake, leftover hypocrite, failure. That's not God's view of me. When God looks at me in the mirror, who does he see? His son. Because I am a Christian. I am in Christ. And so my past is dealt with because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so Peter's final word today is healthy faith is rooted in trusting God's grace. It's It's rooted in trusting God's grace for the hardest person in your life sometimes to forgive. You. We're really good at giving grace to a lot of other people. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. 
not me. I'm the hardest on myself, as I'm guessing you are on yourself. And that's where the gospel gets personal. It's for you. Let that soak in, okay? That's okay. It's okay to soak that in, okay? Soak that in. It's for you. I don't know if you've ever just let that in before. It's for you. The old is gone. The new has come. And your identity right now here today, May 5th, 2013, is in Christ. You have nothing to lose, nothing to prove. And so the good news for all of us on this journey of faith, there's this person that we already are in God's eyes and maybe going deep is learning to live like that's true. Maybe that's Christian maturity, is learning to live like we've been loved and forgiven. And that was certainly the case for someone that you probably all would recognize named Jean Valjean. So back in December, a brand new movie came out. I like to call it Les Miserables. And it hit the theaters, and typically, you know, when it's a musical, all the ladies, ah, Hugh Jackman, right? Really excited about that. It's a musical, so all the ladies really want to see it, and all the guys are, like, counting down the days until they hear those dreaded words, honey, we should go. It's a musical, right? It's Les Miserables, right? Okay? It's not Die Hard 2, okay? So I'm waiting for that inevitable question, honey, when are you going to take me? And so one afternoon, I got the call from work from my wife, and she says, Honey, I'm ready. Half-price matinee. Half-price popcorn. Double butter. Okay, I'm fine. I'm there. You can pick me up in 20 minutes. Oh, geez, I'm just dreading this, okay? It's a musical. And so we get there, and it takes me about 15 minutes to ask her, Okay, um, are they really going to sing every line? Honey, it's a musical. But they're standing right next to each other. They can just say it, can't they? Why do they have to sing to each other? I'm not going to sing to you if I'm standing. Honey, it's a musical. Oh, okay, fine. It's a musical. So we're watching it for a while, and, and then I'm watching it, and I'm, I'm watching her. And then, you know how I said when we spend time with God, we start to love the things that he loves? Kids, the lost, you know, things like that. So I'm watching her, and she's loving the movie, and so I end up loving what she loves, and I'm, I'm just, and I'm getting caught up in this, and I start to love it, and I'm engrossed, and I realize this is a story of the gospel. This is a story of, of grace, of redemption. And so we have Jean Valjean, who is a criminal that you're going to see in this clip has been caught stealing from the priest. And because of it, he's already a marked criminal. And because of this, he could be sentenced to death. And just like Jesus Christ came and laid down his life for us, the priest says, This isn't going to be the end of your story, Jean Valjean. Something more that God has in store for you. And as you watch this clip, I want you to think about what does it mean to have a healthy faith? To trust that grace pays the bill. To trust that you are loved more than you will ever know and there's nothing you can do to earn it. Let's take a look. Maybe it's time today to tear up your papers and start anew. Maybe it's time to put your roots in God's love and let him change everything about you, one of healthy faith, one of 
planting in the ground, soaking up and giving away, and knowing exactly who you are when you look in the mirror, that you are in Christ, the power of Christ in you, as Jean Valjean just experienced. That's what Jesus offers you today. Let's stand.